Is it possible that the banking system is using ATMs to support serial killers? Then we travel to Russia to take a look at the Brosno Dragon, a creature so large, so vicious, it changed the course of European history today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm actually recording this episode right after I recorded yesterday's episode. Yesterday's episode was kind of weird, but I hope you guys liked it. I had a lot of fun doing that episode, but I did eat. I did eat in between the episodes. If, if you were concerned about my mental state, someone who's never concerned about my mental state, coming into today, actually, you might, be, you might be extremely concerned about my mental state, but coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, First. Everyone give a round of applause to First, walking into Dead Rabbit Command. First, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show really, really helps out a lot. So first, we're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to go ahead and get started here. Let's leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way out to a local ATM machine. You're like, really? That's as far as I get to fly the Dirigible? Yes. We're looking for an ATM machine. We got to pull out some cash. I'm going to borrow some money from you. Hey, bro, can I borrow $200? First, go ahead and land the Dead Rabbit Dirigible at this ATM machine. We're going to walk up to it, get your card ready. And I'm like standing behind you, kind of looking around, making sure no one sneaks up on us. And you're getting money out. And (laughs) that's the whole segment. That's the end of the story. Give me money, please. No, I actually, it's so funny. Yesterday, we talked about the insanity episode. We talked about a young woman who believed she was getting messages from the universe about her soulmate. And then we were talking about my fairly insane beliefs involving the law of attraction and how I think the universe works and stuff like that. Really, really liked that episode. I hope I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. It was a little bit different than what we normally do, but this first story could have easily have fallen into the insanity episode. And what's funny is I got this recommendation on the Patreon Discord from Patolum. Patolum posted it, and even they said, this guy's a lunatic. And other people on the Patreon Discord was like, dude, yeah, this is crazy. I can't believe that someone believes this. And you know what? I think I kind of like this conspiracy theory. I gotta say, I could have included on the Insanity episode, but let's dig into this one. This one's really kind of cool. This guy did his work. Let's go back, because we're going to take in the dirigible here. But let's hop back in the dirigible, and we're headed... Oh, you say I sound disappointed. I'm like, oh, man, first gets to do more stuff. First, fly this dirigible. We're leaving behind an ATM machine. We're headed to Blood Mountain. Georgia. That's a real place. (laughs) It's not a place from a horror novel I'm writing. It's New Year's Day, 2008. And Meredith Hope Emerson, she's a 24-year-old woman. She's out hiking with her dog. She goes missing. She was taken by kidnapper and serial killer Gary Michael Hilton. He says, listen, officers, because he eventually got caught. He's not running loose to this day. But when he was arrested, he tells the officers, man, that woman, Meredith, she put up a fight. Trying to get her down the hill. She's punching me. She's beating me up. Her little dog is yip, yip, yipping at me. 
But I was able to overpower her. And the reason why I was able to finally get her to calm down and start fi stop fighting back was I said, listen, lady, all I want is your pin number and your ATM card. All I want is your cash. He kidnaps her and the dog. And she is now captive of this lunatic. And she decides that she needs to start buying time. And this is something that police officers actually recommend doing. But may not always work out. Don't give the accurate PIN number to your ATM card. Because if that's what he wants, once he gets the cash out of the ATM, what's the point in keeping you alive? So she kept giving him fake PIN numbers. He would go to the ATM, find out it was fake, come back, and he would torture her to get the right PIN number. She'd give him another fake one. She's really trying to buy time until she can get rescued. But after four days of torture, she gives him the correct PIN number. She knows that she's now signed her own death warrant. And he does brutally murder this woman. Talk about a blood-curdling quote. He told the cops, quote, It was hard in reference to murdering Meredith. It was hard. You gotta remember, we had spent several good days together. Unquote. And he murdered multiple people. A lot of times you'll see serial killers with... Not all the time. Not all the time, but you'll see serial killers with a collection of the ATM cards of their victims. And this is on Reddit. JP Strikes posted this. And he got just downvoted. And people were really, really going after this guy. To the point that it was removed. Like the... Uh, I don't remember what subreddit it was on. But the mods removed... I think it was on the Serial Killer subreddit. Here's a guy putting forth a theory. And they hated it. The mods hated it. The people hated it. Luckily, I had archived it. And, and Patolum, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I find this absolutely fascinating. JP Strikes has a theory. ATMs cause murders. Automatic teller machines, if you don't know what the acronym stands for. Cash machines. You know, you need to get some cash out. Like, the money you just gave me. So think about it. This is fascinating. Think about it this way. You want to rob somebody. You know they probably have more money in their ATM than they have on them. Most people don't really carry a lot of cash anyways. So you can break into their house, force them to give you the debit card, and then get the PIN number from them and leave them alone. And what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to call the cops, and they're going to change their bank account. So the card's not going to work. So the other option is... I mean, this is not advice. I'm not giving you advice. Right now there's some crook. He got his pen and paper together. He's like, all right, I've been waiting. I've been listening to 756 episodes for this advice. Secondly, you could kidnap somebody and get their debit card and get their pin number and take money out of the ATM. And most ATMs have a daily limit. You can set it higher... But generally, the default limit is two to $300 a day you can pull out of an ATM. So let's say that I kidnapped someone, I got their ATM card, I could take them to the ATM, I could pull out, let's say, $300. And then I look at their balance, and it's like $10,000. I can let them go. And what's the first thing? I got $300 now. I can let them go. What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to report that their car was stolen. The first thing you're going to do is call the police. And then they're going to report that the car was stolen. So all of that trouble, I only got $300, even though they have $10,000 in their account. If they are able to report the crime 
I am limited to the amount I can pull out in a day. I can keep them alive and keep visiting the ATM, but there's always the chance that they're going to break free. And it's a lot of trouble having a captive. It really is. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I can just imagine you have to have a place to store them. You have to be. You have to check on them to make sure they're not escaping, to make sure they're not hiding. Now they're going to kill you. The prey has become the predator. But you could do that. You can keep them missing for as long as possible. Now, not everyone, like if I went missing, people would know I was missing right away because I'm just a social butterfly. People would be like, hey, I haven't seen Jason in a day. But not everyone has that. You can. Some people can be missing for a week and nobody knows. But if you have a captive, you have to provide for a captive. You have to have a place for a captive. What JP Strike, and this is fascinating, what JP Strikes is saying is that ATM machines actually encourage serial killers, kidnappers, really may start as kidnappers, to kill the victim once they get the ATM card and the PIN code. Because when you're killed, there's no one to escape. Right, I've gotten the PIN number, I've gotten the ATM card, I kill you, and I can pull out money until someone reports you missing. And if you're an elderly person with no family, if you're a stranger in, in the area, an immigrant from another country, a wanderer from town to town, right? Kidnap them. I mean, this is not advice, but you kidnap them. You get the PIN number, you get the ATM card, and because there's that daily limit, which the daily limit is to protect you, but it's also to protect the bank. If someone steals my ATM card and drains my account, and they look at the video footage, and it's not me, I'm obviously getting my money back. The bank is out. The bank then has to file paperwork with the uh, FDIC federally insured money and all that stuff, but they're out that. Let's say I had $10,000 in my account and that bank loses $10,000 that day. That's on them. I get my money back. So the daily limits isn't just to protect the person. And, and what JP Strikes is saying, it doesn't protect the person. It actually encourages the kidnapper to kill you and they keep you hidden for much longer and you're able to get $200 a day, $200 a day. And he goes on to name all of these serial killers. One of them was that one guy we first talked about, Gary Michael Hilton. He is a he I, he was eventually found guilty of about four or five killings. He's been named a person of interest in about 81 different killings. He was just a drifter. But think about it. A drifter knows that they can pick a random person off the street and get probably $200 from them. Keep going a couple days, and you're going to get more money. Two, four, six, eight. You guys know how to count by twos. Fascinating conspiracy theory. And he says that the ATMs encourage it because, one, they have the daily limits. So it encourages the person to kill the victim. And if you could drain the account that day, then the chances of you kidnapping someone, getting the ATM, getting the PIN code, draining their account, and letting them go, because what do you care? You got $10,000 from a simple kidnapping. He also stated this. He got so much hate from this. This is so bizarre. Look at the show notes. You'll see the link because I was able to archive it. People really were really missing the boat. A lot of them were like, you think Ted Bundy wanted ATM cards? He's like, I'm not saying all serial killers, but I'm saying there's enough of a pattern that ATM machines, if they remove daily limits, this wouldn't be such a big issue. And he says, here's the other thing. There is not a separate criminal code for forced ATM withdrawals. It's listed as like strong arm robbery. 
So you can't, there's no statistics saying this is how many people were forced to pull money out of the ATM. He says you have to go case by case and look and see where the ATM was a component of the crime. He said several states have actually tried passing laws making this a separate felony. And it's been shot down. And he goes, who do you think is shutting this down? Do you think it's the meth-addled robbers who don't want people to know about this crime wave? Or do you think it's the banks who don't want their customers to know that it's a huge problem? Not necessarily the murder part of it, but, but just the ATM robberies in general. What if you knew that... I'm just throwing a number out here. But what if you knew, like... In the top 10 crimes, number seven was being forced to get money out of your ATM at gunpoint. Would you feel comfortable ever using an ATM? Would you feel comfortable carrying an ATM card? If you knew, and I don't know what it was. I don't, it could be a minor, could not happen a lot. But we don't know. The criminal code, that is not a separate thing. So really, really interesting conspiracy theory. It got scrubbed the, the second it went up. I don't know if there's anything to it, honestly, but it's one of those things. It makes sense. It, there's really two conspiracy theories. One, that daily limits encourage people to kill the victims as quick as possible so they can cover up the crime. And instead of getting $200, they can maybe get a week's worth of money. And then they're gone, right? It's easy to disguise your face when you're using the camera, wear a hat. This sounds like I'm giving a lot of advice, but I'm not. Kill someone, they they aren't found. They don't people don't even know they're missing for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Really, it depends on the person, depends on their social patterns, whether or not they have a job, whether or not they're new to the area. That's conspiracy theory number one. The conspiracy theory number two is that serial killing aside, this is an issue and it's being covered up because the banks have a vested interest in people using ATMs. ATMs allow them to have less branches, less branches, less employees. So you put an ATM on every corner, but do ATMs, have they caused a giant spike in violent crime, but we can't tell because it's just listed as strong arm robbery. Very, very fascinating conspiracy theory. I find it Again, this is a part of being a conspiracy theorist. I find it super interesting that he posted it and it was immediately blasted down. So, I don't know. I really liked it. Platellum, thank you for sending it over. I know kind of the idea was look at this crazy guy, but I, there, I don't think the banks are actively encouraging serial killing. And I, he even he wasn't making that argument. He was saying there are steps they can do to mitigate these crimes from going forward. And he just got blasted off. Not, not in a good way, not in a rocket ship. I mean, they, people just shoo shoot him out of the door on a subreddit where people are constantly throwing out conspiracy theories or just regular theories about crime. Very, very fascinating. Very, very fascinating insight. So thank you very much, JP Strikes. And thank you very much, Potolum, for sending that over. First, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Blood Mountain, Georgia. Why would you name a place like that? You're asking for bad stuff to happen. We are headed all the way out to Russia. And I wanted to do a really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. This one, it was actually sent to me by... Longtime supporter of the show, longtime Patreon supporter, big supporting member of the Patreon Discord, Rudy Jazz. Rudy Jazz also done a bunch of fan art for the program. Really, really appreciate their support. Rudy Jazz has been going on and on and on, as long as I've known him, 
about the Borderlands, this movie called The Borderlands. And finally, I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I'm a fan of found footage movies. I love horror movies. It's getting a recommendation from Rudy. The Borderlands, in a nutshell, because I don't want to give too much away, but it's a really interesting premise. There is a miracle at a local church in like the outskirts of Britain. It's a British film. And the Vatican has set up this group to prove or disprove miracles. And we see these three men come out to this church to see what's going on. Now, two of them have been doing this job for a long time. They don't really believe in this stuff. And then you have a young tech tech guy who's just been hired who's still very the-truth-is-out-there kind of personality. And that's really all I can say about the movie, because the movie just has its twists and its turns, and it's very atmospheric. And really, to give anything else away, I think, because Rudy was very nice and not telling me anything about it, uh, it's a very, very well-done horror movie. It's spooky, and it's atmospheric, and I've been thinking about it for days. Dead Rabbit Radio recommends The Borderlands. It's also known as Final Prayer, which is a more generic title. You might find it un under either one, but I'll put it in the show notes. Dead Rabbit Radio recommends The Borderlands. And first is flying the carpenter copter, and we're sitting in the back, and we all just watch The Borderlands, and everyone's like, I'm I'm good. I'm done. I'm done investigating the paranormal. I'm fine. I don't have to hear anymore. You're jumping off the helicopter without a parachute. It's really cool movie for paranormal investigators. It really, really is. That's why I think it resonated with me and with Rudy. And I think it will resonate with you, too. It's really cool as a paranormal investigator. But anyways, if you haven't jumped out of the carpenter copter, parachute or not, we are headed out to Lake Brosno. That's in Andriopol, Russia. This... Lake, Lake Brosno. It's 141 feet deep of fresh water with little fishes. Bloop, 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 bloop. And the local fishermen, one thing they notice about this lake is sometimes they find fish in the lake that aren't native to that lake. It's a weird thing. They say sometimes they'll find fish that aren't even freshwater fish. I mean, those ones are dead. They'll be in the middle of the lake. And other times they'll find fish that aren't native to it. So they believe, local fishermen believe, there has to be some sort of tunnel system under the lake. Now that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. But this lake also has volcanic rifts underneath it. So every so often bubbles will rise to the surface. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fisherman myself. But if I was a fisherman, I don't think I would fish on top of a volcano. And then also there is like gas underneath this crust as well. So there are, every so often you'll be out there and you'll see bubbles. You'll see, it looks like something rising to the surface. Or you'll see what looks like a wake of a giant creature swimming. But it's most likely a geological issue. So the fact that there's sea monster sightings here is really a no-brainer because until people started to think about, like in modern times, think about, oh, we must be on top of a volcanic rift or there must be some sort of hydrogen bubbling up from here or whatever it was, you would just, you know what it is now, but 500 years ago, you would think it was a sea monster, this roiling water just out of nowhere. Blah, blah, blah. You'd think it was some sort of sea monster. So the fact that Lake Brosno 
is the home of the Brosno dragon, this massive monster. It's really a no-brainer. Right? You would you would see these legends popping up. But this sea monster may have changed the course of European history. Well, according to the locals, it did. 13th century Europe. <laughs> that was a horse. That was a horse that wasn't the Crypt Keeper. There was a man known as Batu Khan. Go that way! And he like points his sword ahead and then all these other guys are riding their horses. <laughs> and all these horses, like thousands of them, clop, 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 and there's like dust everywhere. The people in the back are like, Ugh. the archers can't see anything. Their eyes are full of dust. And you had like 40,000 troops marching across Europe and they'd go into like Moscow or what is modern day Moscow slink slink slide Ugh, there's like stabbing people and then there's like babies like running away they're like I'll grow up somewhere else and then they go to this other big city and like the the horse is like stepping on houses and they're like how did why did we build houses so small that a horse could step on them and like these Mongol actually what's interesting is this army was the Tatar Mongol army. We talk a lot about Tataria, this lost empire of T Tatar. They pop up in history all the time. I don't understand why people still think it was this lost civilization. They're listed as the Tatar Mongol Empire. They're just shooting arrows at enemy soldiers and civilians alike. No, no, ugh, getting shot. They got dust in their eyes. They only wanted to shoot soldiers, but they ended up massacring entire cities. And so Batu Khan and his Tatar Mongol warriors are just laying waste to modern day Russia. But as he's leading his massive army, they get to Lake Brosno. And past Lake Brosno, is the town of Novgorod. And Batu Khan, it goes, I will soon slaughter everyone in that town. But you know what? We've already slaughtered so many people. Let's stop and get a drink of water. So they stop at Lake Brosno, and you have all of the soldiers. His entire army is there. The horses are drinking water. Some soldiers are taking baths. Some, some archers are washing out their eyes. They're like, uh, finally, I can see. And Batu Khan is looking over his men and he's like, dude, what a glorious army. Like, no one can defeat us. I'm sure, I'm sure history will always remember the Tatar Mongols. This will not be lost in world history. And then all of a sudden, the lake water begins to roil. And out of the lake arose a massive dragon. Now, the, the Brosno dragon... The Brosno dragon jumps up out of the water, and its mouth is so huge, it begins to swallow horses whole. Imagine that sound 40,000 times. It began just eating horses. It began eating soldiers. This creature, which is described as something looking like the... Loch Ness Monster, big fat body, little fin legs, long neck, head, arm, arm, arm. It just starts eating these people. Now, I, I, the Loch Ness Monster I never thought was big enough to swallow a horse whole. For one, I don't think the Loch Ness Monster is real. That's one of those cryptids that I, I think is completely manufactured. But the idea of like a sea monster, could one of those dinosaurs, like a, could a Brontosaurus eat a horse whole? Go on. And then there'd be no more horse left. But anyway, so this creature... Look that up, Jamie. Look up Brontosaurus eating a horse. This creature jumps out of the lake and begins eating the horses and eating the soldiers. 
Now, it's not like Batu Khan lost a lot of troops in this battle. But, like, let's say he this thing ate 10 horses and 15 men. Just spitballing, right? Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, if you had an army of 40,000 people and 10 horses and 15 men were eaten, you may think, well, we can continue to Novgorod. But the, the, the sheer horror of seeing a monster jump up out of the water and start eating your men, the panic came over the army, and they fled the area. These soldiers had slaughtered innocents, killed enemy kings, seen their own countrymen get their heads smashed open, and swords go through their livers and blow up. I'm assuming one of them stepped on a landmine at some point. You saw all that stuff. But watching a giant monster jump out and start eating people, that's a little too much, right? So Batukan's army fled the area. And because of that, Novgorod was never invaded. So we're going to put a little pin in that. Because I know you're obviously asking a question, is that true? That's what I started asking. But let's jump ahead. Before I answer that question, let's jump ahead. The modern-day sightings of this thing, because they're still modern-day sightings, people say that they see him, they see this Loch Ness monster-esque creature, the Brosnan Dragon, swimming through the water. Sometimes when fishermen go missing in this lake, it's chalked up to they must have got eaten by the Brosnan Dragon. Apparently in World War II, a Nazi plane was flying over Lake Brosnan. And he wasn't having none of it. If anything, the Brosno Dragon is a patriot to the motherland. The Brosno Dragon jumped up out of the water. You're like, Jason, okay, this is obviously made up. Hold on, hold on. He jumped out of the water, like how a dolphin does at SeaWorld. Jumped out of the water all up, all the way up. You're like, damn it, Jason, this story is totally fictional. He jumped all the way up. This is in the newspaper. I'll explain in a second. He jumped all the way up and ate the airplane. Bet you it bet you it did not taste as good as Tatar Mongol horse. But nowadays, other than, other than that World War II excitement, mostly just sometimes seeing his head breaking the surface, a lot of ripples, a lot of missing fishermen. So I looked into this and I found a lot of articles saying what I just told you. And one of the articles I found was in Pravda. Okay, so if you're a citizen of the Russian Federation, you probably just shut off the podcast and said, ah, I'm done. Because Pravda is the equivalent of, imagine if the U.S. government ran the Weekly World News. It's basically a state-sponsored, is it still state-sponsored? It used to be, but I think Pravda means truth or people or something like that. It's it's nothing in real life. They run a lot of fake stuff. We've covered a Pravda story before, and it was the same thing. Really sensational journalism, and a lot of times it's just not true. It was interesting because this article in Pravda, which again is a newspaper, but it's just not a truth-telling one, allegedly, I know know the lawyer was typing up a form right there, allegedly not a truth-telling one. It was interesting because I said, okay, so Prav, but I'm not on, here's the thing. I go, well, you know, Pravda did the article, but I'm going to keep researching it. I, I'm not going to say they totally made it up. The big question is this. Was the city of Novgorod invaded? So I started looking into that. I started looking up the wrath of Batu Khan and his march across Europe. And lo and behold, Novgorod, he really did invade this portion of Europe. And 
he really did lay waste to all these cities. That stuff is true. When he got to Novgorod, he did not destroy the city. It was only one of two cities that was not completely obliterated by Batu Khan. So you go, whoa. He got there, he got near it, and he didn't continue to destroy the city. So why? Is there any possibility that this Brosno dragon exists? Now, I understand Pravda wants to give spirit to the citizens of Mother Russia. But the reason why... So that's true. He did not destroy Novgorod. The reason why he did not destroy Novgorod, like the other cities surrounding it, was because they surrendered. They gave up. They saw what had happened to all these other cities and the absolute madness and mayhem and destruction. So they go, tell you what, we are now Tatar Mongols, good sir. What? You thought that we were... We th you thought we were Russians? Oh, oh that was just an act. What are you talking about? We were Tatar Mongols before it was cool. The really, really interesting story, and we're still left to the question, is the Brosno Dragon real? Now, while I think the Loch Ness Monster is a hoax, I do believe that there probably are sea... I, I'll believe this for sure. I think there were sea monsters when we first started sailing the oceans. I believe that back when men first got on these massive boats and were cutting across the ocean for the first time, they probably encountered beasts that would defy explanation today. And then they just got whittled down and we hunted them and stuff like that. Like massive squids and things like that were crushing boats. I totally believe at some point there could have been a kraken. And then we just encroached on their territory. And then we started hunting them. And now today they're just myths and fables. And I do, I don't know, I really don't believe the idea that a dinosaur could be alive today. But I do think at some point in human history, there probably were these massive creatures trapped in lakes. And th that's why those stories resonate with us. Because there is a consciousness, like there's a societal consciousness with those things. I do believe that. I do believe there are probably definitely monsters in the oceans when we first set sail across them. Just like there were great beasts, bears and lions, and the and now they're now they're endangered in a lot of areas. And four hundred years from now, people may go, yeah, you know, there are bears, but they weren't as big as people said they were, because they'll have no, con they'll be gone. And then a thousand years from now, people will be like, well, what's a bear? They have teddy bears that are like that. People were scared of a teddy bear. But I want to wrap it up like this, because I can't prove whether or not the Brosno dragon exists. I want to wrap it up like this. I, I was really enthralled by the idea of a cryptid changing the course of world history. Stopping this invasion. They didn't. The Brosno dragon didn't. They just surrendered. They were conquered, but they weren't destroyed. And I thought about this. Let's put our conspiracy caps on for a second. We're going to wrap it up like this. And it's kind of an open-ended thought. We talk a lot about aliens coming down and going, bleep, blop. We want you to be environmentally friendly. You can't destroy the world. It's so funny when I make that voice, it makes it sound like I want those things. I want the world destroyed. But it's just so rote and so lame when aliens, they travel billions of light years to just be like, don't throw soda cans out of your car. Don't, you know, go to renewable energy and, and don't drop nukes and all that stuff. Which, I mean, sure, I, I'm not saying we should drop nukes, but... We always hear that message from aliens, like they have some sort of stake in the planet or want humans to join the Brotherhood, the Galactic Brotherhood. My question is this. Do cryptids affect policy? Because remember, cryptids are native to this planet. Bigfoot has a more vested interest in the sustainability of the forest than the gray aliens do. Do cryptids interact with us 
dude, dude, I, I, this wasn't what I was going for, but I, this thought just popped in my head. What if cryptids are the Illuminati? What if they're the ones that are secretly pulling the strings behind the scenes? I'm there's like a, I just imagine now there's like a council table and like Mothman and Bigfoot and there's like a Loch Ness monster. He's like, if that guy says he doesn't believe in me one more time, I'm gonna personally crush him with my flippers. And you have the I'm not saying like there's a, a, a hall of justice full of cryptids, but what if because what I what I'm thinking is that a cryptid would have a vested interest in keeping out an occupying force. So do cryptids play a part in local politics? And really with the Illuminati thing, world politics. Uh, It's a bizarre question because you do imagine this kind of cartoonish type committee of all of these creatures. But they're basically, some of them prey on humanity. Very few cryptids protect humanity, if you think about it. There's very few cryptids that are good. Almost all of them either want nothing to do with us or we're a food source or they're devouring our souls or something like that. So they wouldn't want a army of 40,000 Tatar Mongols killing everyone. They're like, I have to eat those fishermen. If you raise the city and no one's using this anymore as a fishing village, what am I going to eat? I don't know. It's kind of a weird conspiracy theory. And I don't even know if it's... I don't even know if it classifies as a conspiracy theory or just the insane ramblings of someone. But is it... My question is this. Why? And Because most cryptids are fairly intelligent. Bigfoot, in the lore, is as clever as a human. What if the cryptids are... I guess there's two questions here. One, do cryptids have a vested interest in keeping their environment the way that it is? And the answer to that would be yes. And then two, how deep does that power go? Are there cryptids out there that have infiltrated levels of our government? What if cryptids are the real end boss of the world? And we're thinking that it's this ethnic group or that ethnic group or this religion or that religion or aliens, reptilians taking over the planet. What if that's all smokescreen? What if the real rulers of the world are not sitting on starships or in high-rise office buildings? or on thrones, but live deep underwater in bottomless lakes, stalk the forest constantly out of sight, or simply live on the edge of reality, watching in the darkness for their next victim? What if the real rulers of the world are the creatures that nobody believes in? The perfect hiding spot. They are whispers in the shadows. Secret rulers of all mankind. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.